All right, welcome to Big Action Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Saturday Night Design recording this following the Denver Nuggets win. Final score 110-109 over the Toronto Raptors. This was a fun game. Uh, Both sides were making some pretty impressive shots. Uh, from the start of the game till the end of the game, to be frank. It was a a really entertaining up-and-down game. Uh, pace wasn't exactly, like, massive, but the Nuggets had classified 22 fast-break points, and the Raptors had 20 fast-break points themselves. So this was an up-and-down game, uh, really enjoyed the show, and it ended with a showstopper, literally, as Nikola Jokic gets his third game-winning block of the season. Pretty impressive stuff from Denver's MVP. Uh, Nikola Jokic, what more can you say about him, frankly? Like, he saves the day once again for this Nuggets team, and on the second night of a back-to-back, going up against one of the hottest teams in the league, I'm pretty sure that Toronto had won eight in a row heading into this game. You knew that Jokic had to show up, you knew that he had to set the tone, and Not only did he start the game well, but he finished it too. 28 points, 15 rebounds, 6 assists, shot 10 of 16 from the field, 8 of 10 from the free throw line, 2 blocks, 4 turnovers, was a plus 3 and a 1 point win. It was the margin. It literally was the margin in this game. And it started off really well from Jokic, and he was the basis of all Nuggets offense for the majority of the first quarter, where he scored 18 points going up against the Raptors' smaller line of OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, and Scotty Barnes. When he was manned up against those guys, getting the ball in the middle of the floor, able to go uh, either to the baseline or to the middle, Uh, sometimes he was in the post, sometimes he was kind of at the free throw line area. He was a killer, just absolutely dominated the first quarter and and scored 18 points. And it really set the Nuggets up to succeed for the rest of the game, where they won that first quarter by by six. They did lose the second quarter by seven. They lost the third quarter by two. But they were still able to keep themselves in it because of that first quarter push. It was very, very important for the Nuggets to be able to get out to a hot start, to stay in the game, stay attached. Don't let the Raptors kind of run away with it. And Jokic absolutely did his job. Absolutely did it. There were, like in the middle of this game, I thought that he was too passive. I thought that there are too many times where either he or the Nuggets offense was more perimeter-centric, Jokic uh, kind of on the perimeter-centric or he would let guys isolate or have their other actions while he would go down to the offensive glass and try to grab some rebounds. And sometimes it worked. He did grab five offensive rebounds on the game and 15 total. But for the most part, during the middle of this game, second and third quarter especially, he just was really a non-factor from a scoring standpoint. And that's okay. Like sometimes you want him to kind of take a load off. You don't necessarily have to have him at full blast every single game, every single minute. But that's why on the second night of a back-to-back where Michael Malone, I think he definitely deserves credit on this one. 
Michael Malone left it until the very last moment to insert his starters back into the game. Uh, if you're interested in the rotation chart, then make sure to go check Twitter at NBA Blackburn. Denver's rotation chart in the fourth quarter for this game is very interesting. The bench, the entire bench lineup played a seven-minute stretch or close to it. It comes out as seven minutes on the chart. There was a little bit of staggering in there between like the 520 mark to the 440 mark. But really, it was Denver's bench lineup that played a lot of that game in the fourth quarter. And a lot of it was because Jokic was clearly tired. Denver's offense with the starting unit. Clearly, there was some fear from Michael Malone that his starters would run out of energy. And I'll get back to the bench more in a little bit, but him saving Jokic, uh, it paid off where he brought him back in at about the 520 mark in the fourth quarter. Jokic got a couple points, uh, four points to be exact, had an opportunity to get six, but at the free throw line with the Nuggets up by one after a heroic Fred VanVleet three uh, that turned a four-point Nuggets lead into a one-point Nuggets lead, uh, Jokic goes to the free throw line, bricks two free throws. Very weird. Um, He had made his previous eight. He's usually money in the clutch. This is a very odd time for Jokic to just miss two. But that's what made the block at the end so big. Because Fred VanVleet misses a three, and OG Ananobi, in the right position, I think, fending off Will Barton or, or Bones Highland or one of the smaller guards, grabs the offensive rebound. And Yoke sees this happening. He's he's kind of out of position. I think he's on uh, Pascal Siakam or Scotty Barnes on the baseline or somebody like that. And he's in that position where he has to cover a lot of ground to ensure that OG doesn't make the putback layup. And he closes out. He closes ground really quickly and emphatically swats the ball away to save the game for this Nuggets team was a really, really impressive play. Really impressive block. Probably the most impressive block of Nikola Jokic's career. We're just saying something because he's starting to develop a trend for this, right? Where this is his third time this season where he has a game-saving block. He leads the NBA in blocks in the last 10 seconds of the game in clutch time. Where the score is within five points either way. And he saves it by blocking the basketball. Nobody else has more than one. There's only a few players in the NBA that have one of those blocks that meet one of those criteria. Jokic has three blocks now. And he's had multiple blocks in previous years in clutch time, showcasing that it doesn't necessarily mean like he, it's not like he's not an elite defender. I don't think anybody would question that he's less than elite. But is he bad? No. Bad defenders don't make those plays. They just don't. They don't have the timing, they don't have the intuition, and they don't have the know-how to be able to get into position to save a game. And he's done it three times this year. That is like Adam Morris likes to post on Twitter. Uh, when Jokic has a really good game, he he earns one full win share because he was the guy that the guy that was the biggest difference. And nobody else really came along with him, but it was Jokic who won the game. Tonight was like that. Maybe not quite that because Jeff Green had 19 points and 
Bones Highland made a clutch three and Will Barton made a clutch floater, but this felt like a game where 28-15-6 and the game-winning block to save the game, that's one of those one full win share kinds of games, or at least as close to it as you can get. Jeff Green, I mentioned 19 points, but also contributed five rebounds, five assists, a lot more productive in his 31 minutes tonight. And Denver needed him. They really did. On the second night of a back-to-back, you're without Zeke Naji, who had been closing in previous games. Now Jeff Green goes out there, and he does his job. Absolutely necessary for him to be out there, too. Against a team with Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, etc. thought it was pretty impressive to see what Jeff Green was able to do. He made his threes tonight, even made an off-the-dribble, above-the-break three. That's very rare for him. He mostly is in the corners when he hits his threes. But it was 4 of 4 at the line, grabbed 5 rebounds, dished out 5 assists, 0 turnovers, was a plus 5. Denver's entire starting lineup was a plus tonight. And it's how it's got to be. Obviously, with the bench kind of in flux always, you, you need somebody. And you need, a, you need a lineup that you can rely upon. And it was good that Michael Malone was able to go back to the starters that he relied upon. Previously, he had staggered and, and hadn't necessarily brought back in Jeff Green, trying to save his minutes a little bit. Last game, he played like 21 minutes. Tonight, he needed to play 31. It was Every minute was necessary, and he did a really nice job. Wasn't perfect. Kind of a... Had to manage in-game at times, but OG Ananobi wasn't a factor. He was the guy who defended him most of the time and thought he was really good. Thought Jeff Green was really good tonight. Very strong game from him. Aaron Gordon, not as good, though the stats will say, hey, pretty decent game. 13 points, 4 of 9 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3, 3 of 3 from the free throw line. Six rebounds, two assists, one turnover. Pascal Siakam just cooked him. He was like, Pascal Siakam cooked everybody. Don't get me wrong. Like, Jokic spent some time on him and got cooked. Jermichael Green spent some time on him and got cooked. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins, anybody switching. Austin Rivers, I remember a play. I think the only guy who didn't get cooked was Will Barton, if I'm not mistaken. So, credit to Will for that. But... Jeff Green was good in his matchup against OG, and that was enough tonight. Pascal Siakam scores 35, 10, and 7, 16 of 22. This was a really, really good Pascal Siakam game, and Gordon just looks small next to him. That's very rare that in one of these matchups, Aaron Gordon looks small out there. So very interesting to see how that translates to different matchups throughout the year. But most of the time, you'd have a guy like Jeff Green be on a guy like Pascal Siakam. But tonight, um, Denver decided to go with Aaron Gordon on him, and it didn't really work. But is what it is. A win is a win. Will Barton. Actually, no, let's go with Bones Highland first. This is a really interesting topic, I think, because Bones Highland has 24 minutes, more minutes than previously. Faka Composo plays 24 minutes. Uh, they each basically play 
Actually, it's it's technically 23 because there was a defensive sub in there for Austin Rivers, I'm pretty sure. But they basically split the time at point guard. And it's not the overwhelming Faku plays those last 17 minutes of the game. I think there was a part of Malone that wanted to play Faku. Don't get me wrong. But after what literally happened last night against the Celtics, I think he thought of that and, and realized after he had said that he wanted to put back in Bones, that despite the fact that Bones had struggled, he wanted to trust him. And it was a good thing that he did because Bones Highland was a very important piece of Denver spacing tonight where he only went three of nine from the three-point line. But the three threes that he hit were just so important. There was one in the corner that was off of an Aaron Gordon drive. And I think there were two off of Nikola Jokic kickouts from the post. And those are so, so big because it, it causes the Raptors and other teams that play Denver to not want to double Nikola Jokic because if they double one pass away and that, that guy has Bones, they know he's going to let it fly if they leave him enough space. So Bones, he let it fly. He was not shy at all. And I thought that probably like is one of those things where as a rookie, you want him to just keep shooting it. Don't lose confidence. Veterans will understand when they have it and when they don't. And if they have that, like if it's a Steph Curry level shooter, he is always going to shoot it and as he should. But Bones is probably not a Steph Curry level shooter yet. So he's going to find the time and the place where he can get into a rhythm. And there will be times throughout his career where he attempts at least 12 threes. I have no doubt. There's going to be times where he's just going to want to let it fly. And I do think that his release needs to be a little bit quicker. He needs to be a little bit stronger with the ball. You can definitely see Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent really trying to bully the young guy. And they got away with it too. Four turnovers, four Bones Highland. And and you think, hey, maybe he's not the right guy to put back in. It's very possible that he isn't. But then you see that he hits a three at the end of the game off of a Nikola Jokic double team out of the post and then gets the kick out and hits the shot. It's just such a big deal having such cojones like that to be able to hit those shots. There's a lot to like about Bones Highland going forward and getting production from that position is just so, so important. So he was second on the team in plus minus tonight at plus seven and clearly in his minutes, Denver was pretty good. They had some ups and downs, but the overall product, clearly he was a healthy part of it. Also a healthy part of it, Will Barton. There were a lot of times I thought where maybe Barton needs to step up here. Maybe he needs to be the guy. He took tied for the fewest amount of shots tonight from the starting lineup along with Aaron Gordon. They each took nine. They were each four of nine. Will Barton, two of four from three, 10 points, three rebounds, two assists. Not necessarily his most involved game. And it it didn't have to be. Denver's game plan was still solid. They were able to be productive. Uh, Both the starters and the bench were able to figure some things out. And it's pretty clear that the way that the Raptors like to defend, having guards that go off the dribble, and then trying to pass into the wicked of arms that 
the forwards have with Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, Oji Ananobi. That's like a combined 22 feet of wingspan or somewhere close to it. Passing through that is a bad idea. Dribbling around Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., bad idea. Those guys are going to get strip steals. They're going to flop. They're going to cause offensive fouls. So going off the dribble, not necessarily the best course of action. In Denver, they just needed to slow it down, go through the post, use some back cuts to Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, and then kickouts. And I thought that Denver's offense did a reasonable job of that. And Barton hits the biggest shot of the night, right? Where Denver's up two, it's 108-106, and there's about 40 seconds left in the game. Clock winding down. The ball finds Will Barton on a kickout. He has about two seconds left, two to four seconds left or something like that to get up a shot. And he Sambor shuffles it up onto the rim and, and down just on a, on a really, really nice off-balance mid-range shot that drops perfectly through the net. Very clutch play. And he didn't force it. The ball just happened to find him and he created something out of nothing made something happen for his team, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. He deserves a lot of credit for not forcing it tonight when the matchup didn't really suit him. Denver was able to get good offense, good offensive process with their team for most of the night. And trying to deviate from that would have been a bad thing. Will didn't do that. I thought he was pretty decent defensively tonight. I know that a lot of people are going to look at that last Fred Van Vliet three that nearly touched the moon and be like, why did Will Barton not be right here? He gave a really good contest, and sometimes the play just works, and the Raptors are wizards at making the play work. And honestly, Pascal Siakam was the guy who he doubled on, and he had 35, 10, and 7 tonight on 16 of 22. So I don't really feel bad about him trying to stop Pascal Siakam, folks. Like, it's just, it's understandable. So, that happens. And it happened to everybody. Like, Faku loves to help off of people. Austin Rivers loves to help off of people. Uh, everybody gets caught ball watching at times. And that was not the best moment. But he made up for it on several occasions on the defensive end. Uh, had a steal. Uh, did a pretty decent job when Pascal Siakam got switched onto him. And, and let's face it, Gary Trent Jr., Fred Van Vliet. Fred Van Vliet, when he was scoring... It was primarily Bones, and it was primarily uh, Austin Rivers, who he scored on. It wasn't really Barton. So just give him credit. He's eight threes away from being the franchise leader in three-pointers made. I think we just probably need to take a step back and realize, look, he's had a lot asked of him, hasn't been perfect. Definitely, like he hasn't even been good some nights, but he's still a player that's been with this Nuggets team for seven years. Absolutely deserves the support and credit for when he does well. And he made a clutch shot tonight. If he doesn't make that shot, then Denver loses. Like plain and simple. That's good. I think it's an important thing to recognize that. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the bench unit. And a, a surprisingly decent bench performance. But first, the big game is tomorrow. If you listen to this, 
Uh, you might be getting ready for Super Bowl 56. And DraftKings, the official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. So you just got to make sure to log into DraftKings or sign up for DraftKings. You bet those $5 that you need to bet, and you can get $280 in free bets with those 56 to 1 odds if your team wins. It is that simple. This is not difficult. If you're a new customer, you should sign up because it is a 50-50 shot, or if you're if you're better than that, you have an opportunity. If you can pick the winner, you're going to get 56 to 1 odds on them. It's free money. So go sign up. Absolutely go sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook. And if you do use promo code MHS, uh, get those 56 to 1 odds. If you can't get those, make sure to take your shot at winning some cash by predicting the props for Super Bowl 56. There are so many of them out there. And I absolutely think that if you predict the opening kickoff, if you predict the halftime score, if you predict the anthem time, uh, make sure to let me know because that's something that I know the DraftKings would love to hear about. They love to know that you are taking advantage of this fantastic opportunity. So make sure to sign up. Use promo code MHS. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. and roll Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. All right, so let's get to this bench unit where I think there's a lot of people that are that are going to question, uh, was this the right unit? Was this the uh, best mix of players that Denver could have? Uh, when you're down Monte Morris and down Zeke Naji, and obviously you don't have Murray and MPJ, uh, things are going to get weird. And And I do think that if there's one guy that I wish was getting more of an opportunity with this group, it's Davon Reed. Uh, tonight, I think he would have been pretty helpful going up against a team like Toronto, where they have all these long athletic wings and uh, somebody, just somebody who could be overall a, a nice, switchable, versatile piece that can make them pay from the three-point line too. Uh, but I understand why Michael Malone went the direction that he did, where he plays Jamichael Green at the four and DeMarcus Cousins at the five. And not the best game from those two. I would definitely highlight that DeMarcus Cousins, once again, one of six from the field. And though he did grab five rebounds in 13 minutes, he had a couple of assists. It wasn't like, this wasn't his worst game with the Nuggets. And he was only a minus two, which I think emphasizes how important Having a center is out there, just a big body, somebody who can be dynamic. And he did a really good job of preventing the Raptors from getting on the offensive glass, along with Jamichael Green, along with the rest of the Nuggets. It was clearly an emphasis, and the Raptors only had eight offensive rebounds. Denver out-rebounded them 50-35. to 35. This was a big part 
of what the Nuggets wanted to do. And, and a lot of their rebounds obviously came with the starting unit because that unit was pretty big. But Denver's bench out-rebounded the Raptors bench by the looks of it 17-8, to 17-7. to So that's pretty good. That's a pretty good way to kind of uh, mix up the margins a little bit. And the Raptors don't play a lot of guys. Like, they don't play a lot of guys a lot of minutes. And Pascal Siakam played 42. OG Ananobi, 37. Fred Van Vliet, 38. Gary Trent, 38. Scotty Barnes, 30. Uh, so their bench, like, they don't have a ton of minutes with their bench guys. So, obviously, the Nuggets are going to be in a situation where they're going to be facing, the bench is going to be facing starters at various points, and it's going to be pretty stressful for all parties involved. But I do think that Denver's bench pulled it off. They gave Denver starters just enough breathing room to be able to come back into the game late in the fourth quarter or midway through the fourth quarter about and still be fine, still be in a position where the Nuggets could win. It was basically tied up, I'm pretty sure, at that point. And Denver starters then won the game. That's a great place to be where you can have a bench that can do that. So DeMarcus Cousins deserves some credit. Four points, five rebounds, two assists, one block, only a minus two. I do worry about the shooting efficiency. There are just several shots that continue to roll off the rim. And perhaps they they roll on and down, like perhaps they drop. And this is just shot variance. This is just a situation where uh, Cousins will make more as he gets more accustomed to playing. But this feels like a thing that I'm talking about every game with him, where through six games, I'm pretty sure he's shooting about 25% from the field. That's like really bad. That's that's really bad. Um, but it's not all about that. Michael Malone will be the first to tell me that he was making an impact in the other ways. As a rebounder, as a defender, uh, as a passer with the two assists. And he did have a couple nice assists. Kicked out, kicked out to Bryn Forbes for a three. Kicked out to Jermichael Green for a three. If I'm not mistaken. I think it was a Jermichael Green three. Or at least it was it was an attempt. Um, but he has some good playmaking chops when he gets moving in the pick and roll, even when he's just like posting up. If he feels the double team, he's going to look for the open guy. And that's a good option for this bench to have that they didn't have previously. So kudos to him for being able to fill that role. And I do think that better things are probably to come for him. The shots do have to drop, though, and he has to be able to play these 13 to 15 minutes with high energy, and if the Nuggets sense that energy slipping, I don't feel bad about them trying to look at other options. Faku Kambazo, two threes tonight, six points, two of eight from the field, two of six from three, three rebounds, big rebounds too, by the way. One of those was an offensive rebound, but the two defensive rebounds are actually the ones that I remember more, where on a night where Michael Malone emphasizes that he needs, or that the Nuggets need to be able to out-rebound the Raptors, Faku Campazzo goes into traffic and, and collects rebounds just as well as anybody, although he's pretty small. He made it work and had three assists, 
had three big steals, uh, only one turnover tonight. And, and I just think that there are some people that think that I go after him un- unnecessarily. And I do think that with a more shooting, cal- like a higher shooting caliber point guard, somebody that you can trust to shoot off the dribble a little bit more, Denver's team looks a little bit different. And usually those guys are just, they're just healthier for the NBA where you get to this level and you can run the easy stuff, the pick and roll, the dribble handoffs, the off-screen reads, isolations, things like that, where you get to a specific set and you can create with the ball in your hands. And I think that Faku struggles with that aspect of point guarding, but as long as he's hitting the spot up threes, as long as he's when, – when guys are finding him and he's open for three, if he's hitting those at a reasonable rate, he's going to be helpful for the team. This is five threes made in the last two games. And though he didn't close tonight, he absolutely deserved to play about 20 minutes. It wasn't bad. And I thought that he also created some open shots for Jamichael Green, Austin Rivers, Bryn Forbes – uh, that they just didn't drop. And so perhaps the three assists are a little bit more, they might be a little bit muted in the actual impact that he had as a playmaker. Uh, I don't know about the Cousins misses. I'd have to go back and rewatch those, but I do think that Faku's doing a pretty good job of point guarding. And that's helped Denver's bench kind of survive. Over the course of these last couple games, uh, last game, the starters weren't good enough. Tonight, the starters were good enough. And I do think that that was the biggest difference in the win. The bench was fine. Bryn Forbes, fine. Uh, Hit a couple big fourth quarter shots is what I will say. Uh, Continues to be more of a shooting specialist than anything. Uh, Didn't really get picked on tonight from a defensive perspective. I was... Not surprised about that because the Raptors don't necessarily have the right personnel to be able to go at him. Uh, They do have Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr., but as long as Forbes stays attached to them, things are going to be fine. And that's what happened when the the starters were playing against Denver's bench. Forbes was fine from a defensive standpoint. There was nothing really to highlight there. Uh, He did get stripped on a DHO. That was his only turnover of the game, but it was a big turnover where he gets stripped by OG Ananobi. Ananobi gets a runout dunk, momentum shifter, calls a timeout, etc. But in the fourth quarter, he did hit a couple shots back to back. One of them kind of a, a mid-range shot, the other a corner three after Cousins drives the ball and gets it to him. Those are really big shots, and they really helped Denver stick to it. They helped them uh, stay with it against this Raptors team. That may I remind you won eight games in a row. It was really, really freaking good. And it's nice to see Denver be able to survive with these bench units by just having small performances. Like Jamichael Green had eight points, Demarcus Cousins had four, Faku had six, Austin Rivers had four, Bryn Forbes had seven. Combined, it's not like it's anything special. It's 29 points, which Denver usually loses if they have 29 or lower. 
They usually win if they have 30 or higher. But I do think that Denver, for the most part, once they get this solid production, and they got solid minutes from the bench where they weren't giving things up offensively or defensively that much, when they're in this position where the bench can be solid, the team just goes to another level because more often than not, the starters are going to be great. They usually are. Tonight, they were just good in comparison to the Raptors, but I think given how well the Raptors are playing and given second night of a back-to-back, the Nuggets should actually absolutely be credited for this win uh, more than any kind of real criticism that you can have. And so that extends to the bench as well, where uh, Jamichael Green coming off of a bad game doesn't necessarily play great tonight, but he got eight points off of six shots, had a steal, uh, had a nice dunk off of a off of a uh, kind of gathering. Uh, he saved a possession. That was what it was, where Cousins was posting up, lost the ball, kind of fumbled it, but it just fumbled right to the front of the rim where Jermichael Green was, and he just grabbed it and dunked it. And Denver winning those 50-50 kind of plays was also another big difference in the win tonight, where Denver got enough of those to go that they were able to make up the difference. It's not every day that you can say that. It's not every day that Denver makes those plays, but they were motivated tonight to do so, starters and bench. And I do think that Denver, they're okay. Like I said last night on pod or after the podcast on Twitter, they're okay. There's nothing really to be upset about, about losing to the Boston Celtics. Uh, They had their first game of playing with Derek White. That was obviously going to be an emotional thing for them, an emotional booster. And it was. Tonight, the Raptors, they didn't go to Thaddeus Young. And I'm surprised that they didn't. They went with Chris Boucher. They went with Precious Achua. Perhaps he's still not necessarily in uh, playing shape, having stuck to San Antonio's bench for most of the season. But it was interesting that they didn't go with him. He would have been helpful against Denver's bench. So glad he didn't play. Glad Denver won. And I do think that as we continue to get closer and closer to this All-Star break, only two games remaining, uh, Denver's put themselves into a good place. And this is a really, really good win that if you look back at it, uh, if you look back on the season, this was a game that they stole. Not necessarily a game that they were supposed to win that they won anyway. This makes up for one of the games that they dropped. Uh, the OKC loss, the LA Clippers loss, where you're up by 25, the Charlotte loss, where you're up by 20 plus. There are a lot of those, and Denver still has a ways to go, but they're making up for the bad losses. This was one where they were supposed to drop, and by getting it to win, this is how you extend your record into something that is better than it probably should be. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about where Denver stands right now, two games before the All-Star break. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much for tuning in. 
If you could, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Five stars, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, continue to do work on here. Continue to do this mostly solo. Uh, this is a direct reflection of how you think my work is. And I continue to try to do the best that I can, but would love some honest feedback if you have it. So if you could, it would be awesome if you could write a review on Apple Podcasts. That would be great. All right. There are 26 more games left for the Nuggets this season. Time flies. They've played 56. They have 26 left. It's crazy. They have two more before the All-Star break, and uh, that's going to be a very interesting two games where you've got Orlando in the next one where at home. It's after the Super Bowl on Monday. Denver's going to be in an interesting spot where that's a pretty big letdown game for after the or right before the All-Star break. You look at Golden State on the schedule next, and you're like, okay, as long as we get through Golden State, then we're going to be fine. But you can pass right through Orlando, which Denver already did after they won against Miami on the road in that big emotional game back in late November. Early December rolls around and you're playing in Orlando, and Denver completely lets down. They have very little effort, and they lose that game. So this will be a good time for a revenge game for Denver, but they're going to be without Monte Morris in all likelihood. It's still a game that they should win, but don't be surprised if it's closer than it appears or if Denver drops that game because that's just how this season goes. And then they play at Golden State, and Golden State is still without Draymond Green, who's going to be uh, missing that game as well. But they did play the Los Angeles Lakers tonight. And Kevon Looney did a really nice job against Anthony Davis, as did Otto Porter Jr. They comp- they continued to double, make things difficult for Anthony Davis. They may not make it for difficult for Nikola Jokic, but I do think that one of the things that you've got to look at if you're Denver is that if you have uh, Faku Campazo out there, if he's starting and going against Steph Curry, then the spacing is going to be really difficult around Nikola. So they might go with Bones if he is still in the starting units. And then you've got Bones against Steph Curry. And that is a very, very difficult matchup for a rookie. One that Michael Malone is probably going to be like, oh God, this is this is scary. This is crazy. But I will say that Michael Malone has surprised me before. He closed with Bones tonight. If he closes with Bones or starts him and plays him a lot of minutes against Curry, then that is going to be very interesting and unique as well. So we will just have to see. Perhaps Austin Rivers closes that game or Denver does something weird. It is the last game before the All-Star break. So if they get a win, who cares? Like, like who cares at all? So don't count on it, though. It's, it's probably a loss. After the All-Star break, you go through two games. You get to 24. Denver has 24 more games af- after the All-Star break. 15 on, on at home and nine on the road. They have two more total road trips. One is three games. One is two games. None of them are back-to-backs. And all are against Eastern Conference teams. That is a pretty big deal where 
Denver won't be really going on the road that much for massive stretches going against the Western Conference teams. They've taken care of all of those games. They have some one-offs. They have five more total games this year against Western Conference teams on the road, but that includes this game against Golden State before the All-Star break. They've got a game against the Lakers. I think they've got two games against Sacramento, if I'm not mistaken. And there's a Portland game, I'm pretty sure, in there, but there's not a lot. Like, there's just not a lot of road games left for Denver. In addition, there's not a lot of back to backs. They have three more back to backs all season, and they actually come clustered right after the All Star break February 26th and 27th. I think you've got uh, March 1st and March 2nd, if I'm not mistaken. Let me just take a quick look at the calendar just so I'm not crazy. Oh, crap. I put it away. Just assume it's March 1st and March 2nd, and then March 9th and March 10th. I know about that one. So they've got three more back-to-backs, and they're all between now and March 10th. After March 10th, Denver doesn't have another back-to-back for the entire rest of the season, but they do play every other day, pretty much. So the real kicker here is that after the All-Star break, 15 of Denver's 24 games will go against sub-500 teams. That is massive. That is a massive difference from what they face now to what they face going forward. And I have to appreciate how Denver has handled this first part of the year. They're six games up, over 500. They are several games up on the plan right now. And they've put themselves into position where they can take it, not slow, but like they could really go on a run if they'd like to and get themselves in a good position where they can play all of their guys and they have a little bit of a runway for players like Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., as well as Bones Highland, by the way, giving him, giving Zeke, giving all those guys some good quality minutes. And Denver's going to be in a position where they can mess with their rotation a little bit, where they can be dependent on whether Murray and Porter, if they're expected to be cleared and return, uh, or if they need a little bit of extra time, Denver's going to be able to give that to them as long as they take care of business, as long as they take care of the sub-500 teams. They've got 15 more of those this year. Or 15, like 16 more, actually, if you include the Orlando Magic. If they just won those games against the sub 500 teams, which I think is par, that gets Denver to 47 and 35 on the season. I think that's par for the course, where Denver just loses all the games against the plus 500 teams and wins all of the games against the minus 500 teams. That feels fine. Now, Denver could win more. They could win less. And if they go, let's say, 14 and 12, which I think is their floor, that's what their current win percentage is, or it's it's equivalent to that, that gets them to 45 and 37. That puts them in play-in territory, where you don't want to put yourself into that position where if the Timberwolves go on a run 
or if the Lakers or Clippers go on a run. I don't really expect that. But if they did, then they could put you into very dangerous position where you're now playing for your lives. That's scary. So I do think that the Nuggets are in a really good spot. That if they went on a run, let's say that instead of going par for the course, let's say they go 18 and 8 to close this year. Let's say they go 2 and 0 against Orlando and Golden State, which Golden State doesn't have Draymond Green. They're playing Kevon Looney. I know Denver's also shorthanded, but you get some weird games right before the All-Star break. You never know. Say they go 2-0. and Then that means you only have to go 16-8 and for the rest of the year beyond that, and you get to 49-33. and If you win one more game beyond that and go 19-7, and then you're at 50 wins. And if you do that, and you put yourself into a position where you don't just stay away from the play-in, but you claim a top four seed. Because I don't think that Utah can maintain that. I don't think that Dallas can maintain that. If you put yourself into that position, where Denver's playing with home court advantage in the first round, I think you can make a really strong case for Nikola Jokic winning the MVP. What if the Nuggets tied their record with the James Harden- Joel Embiid, Philadelphia 76ers this year, where you trade for a superstar if you're the if you're the Sixers. You've had pretty decent health for most of the year. Embiid missed a couple games here or there. Uh, you had some missed games here or there, but for the most part, you knew you were going to be without Simmons, and they made it work. Denver knew they were going to be without Murray, but you missed Michael Porter for a whole bunch of time. You go like one in six without Nikola Jokic, and you still end up with the same record. They won't be the same seed. I I would guess that Philly probably going to be a higher seed because the East is easier. But if they had the same exact record, and Jokic had to deal with what he had to deal with, and Embiid had to deal with what he had to deal with, then how could you not consider Jokic to go back-to-back? I don't think you can, like, eliminate him. If he puts himself into a position where Denver's fourth in the standings and his advanced stats are out of this world and the Nuggets are rolling because now they've got their guys back and they finish the season on, like, a 12-2 and run, or something insane because they've got their best players back and now they're on a move. Then you can start sensing that, man, Jokic might go back to back for an MVP. But more importantly, Denver might be rolling at that point. And if they are, with their players reasonably healthy again, then there's something very serious about this Nuggets team. I still have my questions. I still have my concerns. I still think that Denver lacks the wing defender that they probably need. I still think that there are going to be questions about the backup center spot all the way up through Game 82 into the playoffs. But I do think that they have the talent 
right now, and they have the guy to lead them right now. That could help them go on a run based off of what we're seeing right now. It is very, very possible that if they take it seriously after this All-Star break, then we could see Denver hit 50 wins. It's a, it's a big stretch. Don't get me wrong. But I do think that there is a possibility. And if they do, good Lord, good luck keeping the MVP away from the MVP. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support, as always. Uh, no podcast for me tomorrow. Enjoy uh, the Super Bowl. Uh, really excited to hang out with my family and enjoy that. Uh, make sure to go bet, bet it on DraftKings. Use promo code MHS. Uh, we will be back Monday night. Tuesday morning with a recap of the Orlando Magic game. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys next week.